Okay, good afternoon, ladies and gentlemen. Sorry to bellow at you from uh, the lectern here, but I thought it might be the most effective way to grab your attention. And uh, politicians are not known to be uh, shrinking uh, violets because when you've got to uh, stand up in Parliament, um, you need to uh, sometimes uh, project uh, your voice. Can I thank you all very much for coming back uh, to this open session here today? Um, I hope you've all had really good uh, discussion groups. Uh, I had the privilege of hosting. Uh, the discussion group on how we enable more young people to participate in the workforce uh, both today and tomorrow and that for me was uh, hugely uh, informative and illuminating and has generated uh, some ideas, some uh, sparks, some suggestions on how we can uh, turn um, you know, these ideas into uh, actions. Ladies and gentlemen, you would have heard from the First Minister and from a colleague, uh, Fergus Ewan, earlier today about the, the value of the National Economic Forum to all uh, Scottish Government ministers. Uh, certainly um, informs uh, very much uh, of our thinking uh, and how to grow the economy, how to increase participation in the workforce. And for me, uh, the National Economic Forum is particularly uh, important in galvanising action and galvanising our thoughts uh, on how to uh, tackle uh, youth unemployment. And let me just stress that uh, while we're really pleased uh, with the, the downward trend uh, in youth unemployment and um, the fact that we are outperforming uh, the rest of the UK and uh, most uh, European countries, uh, let me uh, reassure you all that there is absolutely uh, no room for complacency uh, within uh, the Scottish Government. And as I was uh, sharing uh, with the discussion group that I was part of earlier, um, and I apologise for the uh, gender stereotypes. I am one of these women that is just never happy, uh, so I'm always looking, uh, you know, for further improvement and continuous improvement. Because Ian Wood uh, touched uh, on a very um, important point. You really got to the heart of the matter uh, this morning, and that's, you know, one uh, young unemployed Scot has to be one uh, too many for us, and we still have 61,000 young Scots uh, that need to be uh, better connected, need to find their place uh, in their community and uh, in the labour market. So, without further ado, if I could introduce uh, Fiona Hislop, uh, the Cabinet Secretary for Culture and External Affairs, and Michael Russell, the Cabinet Secretary for Education and Lifelong Learning. And in the same way that uh, NEF is important to us uh, to galvanise that uh, uh, Team Scotland approach, uh, it's the Team Scotland All Government approach uh, that we take in the Scottish Government to all matters uh, to do with the economy. Um, although none of us in our title are uh, economy ministers as such, yeah. although I've got a foot in both camps in education and the economy, Actually, all Scottish Government Ministers have signed up to the Government's economic strategy. And let me assure you uh, that all Scottish Government Ministers uh, in their own shape and form are Youth Employment Ministers. Uh, so uh, we'll do our very best to answer uh, as many of your questions uh, that you have for us this morning. I'm not quite sure if we're a bevy of Ministers <laughs> uh, or a galaxy uh, of Ministers, but uh, hopefully between the three of us, um, we'll be able to uh, you know, answer all your questions. Now, I'm going to take three questions uh, at, time, uh, 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 in w at one approach. Um, so I'm looking for uh, hands to shoot up immediately um, because everybody off had plenty of opportunity this morning to, 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 to warm up. 
So, who's first? Don't be shy. <laughs> Don't make me pick anybody out in the audience. There must be some questions or for this. Or points. Bevy. Yes, the gentleman. Uh, Jamie Coleman from TechCube um, in Edinburgh. Uh, just a, a point, I suppose, is that often when I hear chat about youth unemployment uh, and employment, um, it's often seen as, uh, as a low-skilled work and, and that sort of thing. Um, whereas in TechCube, the majority of the companies that I've got are under 25 years old, uh, or the um, not the company, the, uh, the individuals working in those companies are doing incredible world-beating work in tech and coding, and they are that's the future for me of that youth employment uh, or you know a company such as plan for cloud who've gone from two guys to 14 in a couple of months uh, th those stories are, are incredible and i've in terms of skills for these people uh, there's a colossal skills gap that we've been talking about in our session earlier but uh, that's what uh, we need to uh, be able to fill those jobs with those people who can be amazing and, and grow uh, rapid global companies Absolutely. Are there any other questions falling on from that one on the same theme? Sir? Uh, Mark Simmers from Celtic Renewables. Um, in our session earlier, um, there was really a question about taking people from school and from university and, and giving them vocational training. And a lot of that seems to fall under the word apprenticeship at the moment. And, and the feeling amongst our group is, is perhaps that is the wrong word. I think it has historical connotations that perhaps don't apply to the modern world we live in. And also a certain Lord Sugar has given it a certain negative uh, connotation as well. So I, I, rather than sort of dwelling on semantics, I think you know, there maybe is a consideration at senior government level that perhaps you know, this could be titled in a different way. Yeah. I just, well, we'll pick up, because both questions cover uh, very uh, broad areas. I mean, I had the pleasure, uh, along with the First Minister a few months ago, of visiting uh, TechCube, and you are absolutely right. There are some fantastically awesome, amazing uh, young people uh, who are doing work, um, work of the future that would just uh, blow, blow your mind. Um, and we need to be uh, really aware that uh, in tackling and youth unemployment, boosting youth employment opportunities, there is a range of young people, and that's very much reflected in our, in our youth employment strategy that you know we have to address the needs of those furthest away from the labour market, but also some um, of our most uh, talented uh, young people. I have particular views about um, vocational education. I personally, and this is a personal view, it's not necessarily the government position at this point in time, uh, I prefer career education and training. That would be, um, if we were looking at changing the name, that would be the one uh, that I would plump from. But I'm, definitely, I'm going to turn to the, the two cabinet secretaries before I'm accused of uh, hogging the microphone, Fiona. Yeah, just briefly, I, I don't think we should be ashamed of apprentices in any shape or form. And actually, I think we should celebrate the fact that we can have traditional as well as very modern day and very contemporary and innovative skills. Last week I was at Forth Valley College, fantastic um, National Conversa uh, Conservation Centre there, meeting 18 of the modern apprentices that are working in uh, historic Scotland on stonemasonry and uh, you know, electrics. But remember, in terms of uh, sustainability, climate change, uh, most of our buildings are built. It's not just about uh, renewables and energy efficiency in the new built, it's in the existing. So traditional skills in a modern setting uh, will become increasingly important for that agenda 
in terms of uh, meeting our climate change uh, targets. And also, Life Sciences um, Modern Apprenticeships came out from a business uh, meeting about the need for technical skills for life sciences, obviously one of our cutting edge. So I think there's, kind of, I suppose it's how do you bridge the barrier between perception of what people might think, which is probably more of a challenge. But I think we should actually be really strong in celebrating um, our apprenticeships in both traditional skills, which can be used in a modern setting, as well as that cutting edge aspects. And we had an idea from our innovation group about entrepreneurialism and how we can have apprenticeships in, in looking at that kind of aspect, or how do we inbuilt all those skills for modern technology and existing apprenticeships, whether it's lead lighting for um, for engineering or different other aspects or, or different different aspects. But I think that was a good suggestion. But I think part of it's mindset as well and how we all can work to help bring that kind of modern identity um, to what can be seen as something that's perhaps a bit more historical. Michael? Mm -hmm. mm -hmm. Yeah, I mean, I think the question is how we provide the right high-performing routes for every young person or every older person that wants to or, or, or needs to take a, a, another path. And we've got to do so without forcing people down the wrong route or <coughs> forcing people into a route that they might not otherwise choose and creating problems for them. So it's, it's about, I think Linda described it as high-performing routes, and I think she's right. I think it's about assuring parity of esteem for choices that are made. It's about making sure that whatever choices are made are not irrevocable or forced choices, but are not only willing choices, but are choices that can be varied or built upon as time goes on. I mean, we were being reminded today that this very day, uh, two of the engineering graduates who are graduating from Harriet Watt uh, with first class honours started off as modern apprentices with Ineos working uh, essentially uh, through the college, uh, Forth Valley College. So there, is, there are huge opportunities for individuals and we need to make sure that we give them those opportunities. And it relates to the tech cube question, uh, question or point two. Some people will be hard to reach. I mean, Angela and I have you know, worked mm. across a whole range of, of schemes and projects uh, with young people who are really hard to get hold of, who you have to essentially drag towards the labour market. There are some people of huge ability and excitement and an entrepreneurial gift who need the right support and perhaps need the right channeling in order to achieve what they're going to achieve. And some people will do it no matter what. No matter what obstacle you put in their way, they're going to achieve. We have to have a flexible enough system to cope in it with all those people, to encourage, to help in the right way, and to make sure that people are not put in the wrong place, offered the wrong thing, deprived of offers, and therefore diverted from the path that they can follow, or the paths they can follow. And that's a really important point. It was a point I think was raised several times in the group that I was in. Uh, this is not about once and for all choices that you make at the age of 14 or 15, and your life will be like that forever. I think somebody asked very appropriately and cleverly in the group I was in, which one of us is now doing the job that we expected to do when we were 15 or 16? Uh, if there is anybody, they can put their hand up, but they will be pretty unusual in the world in which we live. So it is about laying out the canvas, giving people the opportunities, allowing people to make choices, making sure that the right help and support and guidance is there, and ensuring that people fulfill their potential. And that's, that's the core thing. It is about fulfilling potential. Just as a country, we have to fulfill our potential. We won't do so unless we can encourage every young person to fulfill their potential too. Gentlemen. <coughs> Sean Smith, Edinburgh Napier. Uh, just to mention, in terms of statistics, we talk about apprenticeships and, and terminologies, but there's other phrases out there known as internships, and these are funded internships. 
So my own institute, for example, uh, which does specific areas of construction, we funded 28 internships. Some are graduates, some are uh, graduands, they're on the route, as it were, uh, and some are uh, straight out of college. 26 of the 28 are now in employment, but we funded that all ourselves. Two years ago, we did approach the government to say, could we get some funding, because we're working in key technical areas where we need, need technical support, etc. But because we couldn't, because we were more seen as a university, we were not a business, although we're actually running a business in terms of some of the innovation we're doing. So two things. When you're looking at statistics of apprenticeships, I think you also need to ask both industry and public sector, are you also doing funded apprenticeships to get that statistic? Uh, sorry, funded internships. Uh, and then secondly to that, will you open up the opportunity for some of the either spin-out companies or some of the companies embedded within universities to offer such apprenticeships and get funding like the Low Carbon Skills Fund, which was just announced yesterday with some other issues there? I mean, I think it's important to say that in terms of uh, Scottish uh, apprenticeships, that what we're counting in terms of when we're meeting um, that 25,000 uh, new apprenticeship starts every, every year, a very ambitious target that we are talking about, something uh, very specific that isn't a training programme, that isn't an internship or even uh, an unpaid internship. First Minister alluded it to uh, that this morning that the, the real reason that we have such success with the modern apprenticeship programme uh, in Scotland is the employed status. So every apprenticeship is linked to uh, a real job uh, and real industry and, and a real sector and a variety, a huge variety of sectors and that we actually know uh, that in terms of sustaining employment that 92% uh, of people who complete an apprenticeship are actually in uh, you know, sustained uh, employment. And you know, an apprenticeship is something very distinct that's different uh, from internships and other uh, types of uh, training uh, programme. And it, it all rests uh, on the, the, the employed status. Can I just flag up that there are inter paid internship programmes that the Scottish Government does fund uh, that have been uh, highly successful and that have uh, a positive uh, rate of 70% in terms of um, people going on into employment, adopting intern, uh, talent Scotland, um, you know, there's a third sector uh, pro programmes as, as well. So paid internships are very uh, important in terms of the panoply um, of measures uh, that, that we actually fund and particularly important, not exclusively uh, for graduates, but are important uh, for graduates and uh, college students uh, in terms of helping us address underemployment and graduate uh, un unemployment. Although there was a really interesting point raised in the discussion group uh, that I was in this morning um, that said, you know, that there is perhaps uh, scope for more internships uh, in terms of uh, school pupils, uh, you know, summer holidays, Easter holidays, etc. We had a very uh, meaningful discussion about uh, what needs to be done to uh, make uh, work experience a more high quality, consistent uh, experience for, for school pupils in particular. So who would like uh, to first go at this, Michael? Just say, well, I mean, in terms of the, the specific question, I think you know, we're always willing to look at rules, regulations or structures if they can be varied or developed. But, you know, more wider than that, there's a rich diversity of things happening out there, not all of which have to be funded by or supported by the Scottish Government. And it's really important that, that people engage in that way. Uh, you know, it, it, I think it's fair to say we will, to the best of our ability, uh, do everything we can 
to support uh, those who, who need and deserve and must have opportunities. We want to see uh, as much support as possible right across the sector, youth in terms of young people, in terms of older people, uh, broadly in terms of education and training. But we can't do everything. We don't do everything. And it is very important that there's a strong role for the third sector, a strong role for, for the private sector, an enormously strong role for the private sector, a role for universities who are themselves uh, have uh, enterprises that are operating and operating successfully, and everybody has to be part of that. So um, when people come and say, what will the government do? I, I think part of it is, what will you do as well? There are also other players in the field. There are local authorities in the field. There are, uh, the UK government is involved in this as well. There's a whole range of players in the field. The European Union is involved in it. Let's make sure that we take advantage of all that richness rather than expect uh, single sources. Okay, Fiona. Uh, one of the statements that was made in, a, in our session on innovation was we were trying to think of where are opportunities for innovation and the statement was made opportunities are where you find them and I think the same can be applied to youth employment and opportunities. Oppor you, there are opportunities everywhere, we just have to find ways of exploiting it and I'll give you an example even from my sector in the culture sector. Uh, Scottish Opera had took on apprentices to do some of their scenery work for their um, backgrounds etc. They've now used that same apprentice over in the fantastic new building that's been built in Glasgow which is the extension of the Theatre Royal and the wood when you go into what will be an amazing building will have come from the apprentice that wasn't re originally taken on to do that work but it's going to have a big impact and that's visual and you can see it a lot of the, the, the training opportunities that you have will not be visible to the outside world in a way that that young apprentice's work will be. But I think it's trying to find the opportunities where they are. Um, but don't, under, don't, don't underestimate the importance of that employed status. Big difference compared to the rest of the UK. Perhaps also, if you look at that differential between the employed and unemployment rates between Scotland and England, and I'll be discussing that um, just on uh, Thursday and Friday uh, with the British Irish Council where we're benchmarking against not only the rest of the other devolved administrations but also with Ireland, that employed status I think is part of the reason why we're getting that success factor going on. So we have to look at opportunities where, they find, where we find them but there are opportunities everywhere. Absolutely. I'm going to take the lady in the, the red dress here. Who's got the microphone? You're going to have to move the lady here. And then I'll go to the lady in the, the white, white voice up there. Yes. Uh, Jenny Stewart, from, partner from KPMG. Uh, Serene Wood mentioned the interesting things that were going on in the accountancy profession to uh, support youth employment, which uh, the First Minister uh, had a gentle tease about this morning. So uh, on behalf of my accounting partners, I just wanted to um, explain a little about what's being done picking up on Mike Russell's point earlier. So what's being done there is, like the Army, we are sponsoring um, people through universities. So they've got the secure funding going through uni university and a job at the end of it. We are taking on people straight from school as accounting technicians. And then within our CSR programme, um, we are working. We have got mentoring and arrangements with primary schools. So our staff go in and support people with literacy and numeracy problems in schools. So kind of tackling it from all ends. But I do have a question at the end of it. With another hat on, I'm um, Director of Volunteer Development Scotland. And I just wanted to ask uh, the Cabinet Secretaries their views on volunteering as a route into employment. Okay, a, a very important question. But before I ask the Cabinet Secretaries to uh, reply, we'll t I'll take the, the lady in the white blouse. Thank you. Um, Carol Turnbull, Principal Dumfries and Galloway College. It's really um, more of a plea. We've heard a lot this morning about parity of esteem and um, blurring the lines, if you like, between vocational and academic routes. 
And from a learner's perspective, I'm absolutely for that. It's about learner choice. But what I would ask, though, is that there's not a blurring in terms of who does what in the education sector. Let teachers do what they're extremely good at, which is about creating a hunger and a desire to learn in young people. And let colleges and universities do what they're good at. I heard Sir Ian Wood um, make a suggestion that perhaps um, school pupils should be taught uh, a theoretical year um, of apprenticeships before um, leaving school. That's exactly what colleges do. And we go into schools and we do deliver that theoretical vocational training. So please, yes, let's streamline things and make it simpler, but please don't blur the lines between who's doing what. Okay, thanks for that, Carol. Laurie, final question before we go to the cab sex. Uh, Laurie Russell from the WISE Group. I suppose it's a similar question to the first one, but with a focus on social enterprise and the third sector. But there are exciting things going on as well, but I'm not going to tell you about them. I'd like to ask you what you what you want more, what you'd like from us that's more than we're giving you, because there's general support politically for the third sector. We've acknowledged a, a number of times today that we do creative things, we do innovative things. <coughs> we will tend in this debate to focus with those young people with the greatest number of issues about getting into work. But there's not a huge amount of money spent on that group of people. Uh, it's not all about money and I'm not asking about that. What I would like to know though is how, we're not engaged with the Commission at the moment, but a number of the challenges that Sir Ian Wood mentioned this morning are ones that we could respond to. What would you like more from our sector so that we can give you a better response to some of the issues that you know we can make a, a contribution to? Okay, so three very important questions. The importance um, of volunteering and how that can enhance uh, employability prospects. Uh, what more uh, would you like to see from uh, the third sector and social enterprise? And Carol's point about both parity of esteem and not um, blurring boundaries. So who wants to go first? Take Fiona. Um, I think that's a, a sort of key question about, you know, you want people to concentrate on what they're good at. But everything that seems to come back also is the interconnectedness between sectors. Uh, we even talked about the need in our sector, our discussion about exploitation plumbers, the idea of connecting people together about opportunities and, and ideas. And it's the same for schools, colleges and universities, is about that interface. And we talked about interface um, in relation to R&D, but there's also this, the, the practical interface between all these sectors and how do we make sure that people are playing to their strengths. And to give you a very practical example, and it ties into probably the volunteering aspect as well, increasingly schools, and, and, and um, uh, Mike will be able to think more about what's happening in schools, but the employability aspect is, is not necessarily coming from employers, although that does happen. The voluntary sector is a key aspect. So in the senior phase of schooling, you're seeing volunteering becoming more the norm rather than the exception as part of developing skills for employability, so there's connections there. And I know in my own area in West Lothian, they've coalesced all the, um, the in terms of the timetables of all the schools with the college to ensure that there's a block every Thursday afternoon or whatever, so you can make sure that you get the specials. If you want to do advanced physics, you can do it in one of the schools. If you want to make sure you've got that vocational aspect, you can, but that's very practical. Now, that wasn't there a few years ago. It's there now. So it's kind of, how do we make sure that we don't dilute the expertise of who can provide what, 
but perhaps it's that kind of idea of the linkages and the pathways that we can be a bit more encouraging about but also in terms of the third sector I'm sure um, both Angela and Mike can talk more about that in terms of the skills agenda but I see that in a very practical level and obviously there's something perhaps uh, in terms of team um, team and creativity in the cultural sector I see all the time very much driven by that volunteering aspect but a lot of it is to do with management production events which again is very practical but don't underestimate the employability I think on third sector particularly and I, I think that's a very encouraging <coughs> remark in relation to engagement with the Commission um, and that might be something that perhaps the others could take forward. Yeah, absolutely. Michael? Laurie, I, I suppose I'm going to ask for two things that are, might be seem to be contradictory but I'm going to ask for them anyway. One is flexibility. Um, a, a great deal of flexibility. One of the problems with government is lack of flexibility very often and in working with the third sector particularly getting that flexibility, that a sector that is fleet of foot that can adapt very quickly and can adapt to changing circumstances. But the second one is simplicity. So that there is a joining up because I, I once when I was in Fiona's job uh, had the experience of going to, going to part, a very rural part of Scotland and meeting uh, on successive days three different organisations all of which were engaged in cultural activity within that area, all of which were worthy, all of which wanted their own premises, they wanted their own development officer, they wanted essentially their own thing. We can't afford that. This is a small country. So what we need to do is to make sure that there is the organisations are working closely together. So flexible, simple working is what will work uh, in Scotland. That's the type of country we are. <coughs> Carol, I entirely agree with you. You know I agree with you. Uh, you know that we need to make sure that we play to the strengths that the various parts of the educational system have, but we need to join them up. You know, we, we need to, and I've said this already today, we need to make sure that we are blurring the distinction between early years and primary school, because it is a continuum. We need to make sure that we're blurring the distinction between primary and secondary school, because it is a continuum. We need to make sure that schools and colleges are working closely together, and there is an interchangeability, but everybody plays to their strengths. One of the key things about curriculum for excellence is encouraging the autonomy of, of teachers, to trust teachers to teach well. And I don't want to do anything that will undermine that. And finally, the, the point you make is, is a clear point about rich attainment. Uh, we need to make sure that all our education institutions, and I know Tim understands this from Edinburgh, but there's a rather depressing survey out today from uh, a commercial source, actually, that says that uh, most admissions tutors, not that we have such things in Scottish universities usually, but most admissions tutors uh, don't even look at the things that most young people do outside their formal qualifications. Now, I hope that that's not true, and I hope the survey misrepresents it, but what is called rich attainment is extremely important. And we need to, everybody needs to be understood in, by the nature of what they can achieve, not just academically, but what they can achieve in every other way as possible, and perhaps not even academically. So volunteering, work in the third sector, a whole range of other things are exceptionally important. And Curriculum for Excellence is built on the concept of joined up, deep learning, which is also rich attainment. Uh, and I think that you know, the whole trend of Scottish education is towards that. So the best days are yet to come for volunteering because it is part of the educational experience. Absolutely. And if I could pick up on uh, Laurie's point, there are members of uh, the Commission for Developing Scotland's Young Workforce still in, in the audience, uh, and I'm <coughs> sure they would really welcome uh, a discourse and dialogue uh, with the third sector and uh, social enterprise. So I'll make sure that all the relevant uh, contacts um, are, are made uh, with, with that regards, uh, Laurie. If I can just put in my, my own tuppence worth, something that's really important to me, uh, whether it's you know the third sector or social enterprise or you know whether it's schools and colleges it's actually about outcomes and it's about outcomes that look 
beyond uh, an educational qualification. And for me, and it may seem like a very uh, obvious thing for uh, a youth employment minister to say, but for me, I'm looking um, for, for measures that will actually get young people into work or get young people on that journey uh, that's going to uh, lead uh, to you know, purposeful um, employment. And one of the strengths of volunteering, and I had a very fruitful meeting yesterday with Project Scotland, is in terms of the work they do um, with, uh, they're the only organisation that does uh, full-time uh, volunteering placements for three months or six months. Uh, we know that 70% of the young people that participate uh, in those programmes actually uh, go into employment and I think that's a very powerful message uh, about uh, the power uh, of volunteering and how that can really help uh, to boost uh, people's uh, employability. So outcomes um, are absolutely crucial uh, to me. And, you know, the third sector have an invaluable role uh, to make in that. And the discussion group that I was involved in, we spoke of uh, activity agreements, which, um, you know, by and large, um, you know, are led by community learning and development. They're very bespoke, uh, individualised uh, interventions for some of our young people uh, that are furthest away. And, you know, the, the, the positive destinations in terms of, you know, employment, but in terms of this cohort of young people, it's more likely to be into uh, you know, further education uh, or training, we're looking at 70%, and I think that's a very, uh, you know, significant uh, contribution in terms of young people who are some of our most uh, disadvantaged. And I'm always, I always have the desire to get underneath the headline figures. Uh, I know that positive school destinations uh, are at a record high, but I also know when I, I scrape below that and look at young people with additional support needs or social emotional behavioural problems or looked after children, that their positive destinations are not the same um, as, as their peers. So we, as always, uh, have much more uh, work to do. And we've spoke about our successes today, uh, the distinctive aspects to Scottish policy and what I believe uh, crucially important the distinctive uh, Scottish approach where we are taking an all-government, all-Scotland approach uh, to tackling issues uh, such as uh, youth unemployment. And by doing that, we'll also be uh, not just generating opportunities for young people, but generating uh, e economic growth in our, in our country. And I believe that that, is, that Team Scotland approach is uh, distinctive to what we are doing uh, in the here and now. But we talk about the successes only to, to fuel our engine uh, to, to drive uh, further success. We're very aware that there is so much more uh, work to do. Um, we are pleased uh, with the labour market stats. Um, we're not resting on our laurels and now is so not the time for anybody to be taking the, the, their foot uh, off, off the gas. So I'm going to hand over to, to Michael Russell who's going to uh, make some closing remarks uh, with regards to today's event. Thank you very much. Thanks. Thank you, Angela. And it really just falls on me to draw together the strands today. Uh, thank you, first of all, for everybody who's come here today. The National Economic Forum is very important to the Cabinet. It's very important to all my colleagues. It's very important to the Scottish Government. It brings together the private, public and third sectors. It allows us to debate uh, and discuss issues of real importance to us. It allows us to make the links between matters such as education, entrepreneurialism, uh, youth employment, and the wider economic perspective in Scotland. I hope the Scottish Government has demonstrated in 
the last six years when we've been in office, that despite not having all the economic levers, and we still have the aspiration to have all the economic levers, we will always use everything that we do have to strengthen the Scottish economy, to strengthen the performance of Scotland, and to make sure that the, there is a constant improvement in what we can expect in Scotland. We're making a long-term investment as a nation in our future, not just constitutionally, not just in the choices we're going to make, but also a long-term future in what we're actively doing day on day to make sure that we can improve what takes place in Scotland in difficult times. And the proof of that is being seen in some of the statistics. Uh, things are going in the right direction. There's always work still to be done. There's much more to be done. But they are going in the right direction educationally, in terms of youth employment, in terms of SD we saw of the crime figures, in a whole variety of ways. They're going in the right direction. And it is a time to be positive, but also to renew and rededicate ourselves to continue to make that progress. I want to speak very, very briefly, because I stand between you and your lunch, and that's never a good thing to do, but I want to speak very, very briefly about two educational aspects. One is curriculum for excellence, and the other is college reform. Curriculum for excellence is the long-term change that we have wanted in Scottish education. It came into place as a result of a cross-party agreement that Scottish education was not performing in the way it should be, that we had a good system, but it could still be a great system for everybody involved, but we needed to take it there. And it's a system that is built upon de depth and rigour. You'll have seen some of the ill-informed criticism about it from place to place, sometimes from outside Scotland. This is a system of rigour, and it is a system of depth. And if you doubt that, go into a Scottish classroom and listen to young people talking about what they learn and why they are learning it. Because although I probably knew what I was learning at school, I had not the faintest idea why I was learning it. And now you will find that when young people go to school, they know what they're learning and why they're learning. And it's that rigour, that connectedness that is the heart of it. But it also attempts to replicate the real strengths of the best education systems in the world. And they're built on two things. They're built on the highest quality of teaching. Trusting our teachers, investing in our teachers, making sure our teachers can deliver. But also built on a consistency of policy. Any education system that's built upon five innovations before breakfast is not a system that's going places in the world. So there is a consistent policy that we're applying, and it is paying dividends. It's paying dividends in the inspection evidence we see in school, but it's paying particular dividends in what we see in young people themselves. Uh, I was very struck by a remark that Anton Muscatelli of Glasgow University made recently about CFE. He said that we look forward to welcoming a new generation of students from Scottish schools who will be better prepared and more ready for success in higher education and to develop into the kind of graduates that our economy needs. And if that's true of Glasgow University and the universities in Scotland, it's true of every business in Scotland. That what is happening in Curriculum for Excellence is producing the young people we need in Scottish business and industry. And those are the young people who are coming through our schools, now going into fourth year, now rolling through. But Curriculum for Excellence isn't a one-off. It is now how we do education in Scotland. And I'm engaging across the country with employers and business organisations to discuss exactly what is happening and what you might expect. And if I haven't been to see you yet, then do invite me. But there's another reform going on of equal significance, and that's a reform to the college sector. Uh, when I became Cabinet Secretary for Education three and a half years ago, I inherited 43 individual colleges operating independently, and there was a system that was largely unchanged over 20 years. In the consultation paper that I issued in September 2011, I attempted to come to a definition of what further education should provide, a very diverse system. Further education stretches from those who are furthest from employment uh, and those who are essentially furthest from learning, 
right through to the to 25% of our higher education, which is taught in further education colleges. But I define the fundamental purpose of FE as this, to provide people with the skills they need to get a job, however far they are from the labour market, keep a job or get a better job and develop a good career. Uh, we've been engaged in these last two years, it seems an awfully long time, although that paper was September 2011, we've been engaged in a fundamental reform of the sector. Now Linda pointed out, Linda Mackay pointed out in the session we did this morning that she was a precursor of that, Forth Valley College was a, a, a merger that took place before this process uh, was underway. But it is a process that, despite its difficulties, is paying dividends, and we're seeing them every single day. We're seeing colleges of scale operating in a way that they've never operated before, and having the opportunity to take forward a whole range of issues which were difficult for them. It is they're able to coherently plan their future, to deliver their future in a different way, and to make sure that they can articulate students from a variety of different places and articulate students on to a variety of different places. And the point I made earlier on, the answer to the question, those two first-class honours engineering graduates graduating today in Harriet Watt is an example of Scottish education at its best. And I say education because I'm not going to differentiate between vocational and academic education. We have a system that doesn't differentiate in that way, and we don't want to start differentiating. That would be back to the future. What we do want to make sure is that the choices are there for every young person, and there are choices that are not affected by a lack of parity of esteem, uh, a hierarchy of, of choice, a lack of equality of opportunity. So we'll make sure, whatever the Wood Commission comes up with, and I'm very excited by some of the things I'm hearing, we'll make sure that we build on the strengths that we've got in Curriculum for Excellence, we build on the strengths we, that exist and are developing in our college system, we build on the ideas of, of flexibility and growing together, and we make sure we deliver the best for every single young person. And that, I hope, is our fundamental aim. That we want to have a, a country that every single young person can fulfill their opportunity, can fulfill the potential that they have. And we waste, if we waste a single potential in Scotland, then we waste something that we can't recapture. So that's, in the end, the purpose I'm engaged in and I think you're engaged in too. And this type of discussion that we've had in a variety of small groups this morning and in wider plenary will help us towards that. Thank you for contributing. Uh, we go on to the next National Economic Forum, I think, towards the end of the year. But I look forward to engaging with you, as I always do, as all the ministers do in a variety of places and a variety of times. Thank you for coming here today. And I believe lunch is now served. Thank you.